Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Manamana. 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 to this episode of That's What She Said. This is a tremendously important uh, podcast pulled from my Patreon files. What happened with Patreon was that I was very committed to making the best podcast episodes that I had ever made in the entirety of my life. And so my Patreon work became the most time-consuming, least profitable portion of my business in no time at all. Um, so I stopped doing Patreon, but that doesn't mean that I don't want you to hear what I made because it's I'm really proud of it. And because it had already been paid for, it doesn't have anything else for sale, so you don't have to listen with the vague, like, uh, what is she leading up to? Like, I'm leading up to telling a really good story, inciting action, and hoping that my voice in your ears can somehow make you feel less alone, less vulnerable, and less overwhelmed by the current events of our modern world. That's the big agenda. So, um, cause sometimes we know, um, like I will say what's for sale at the beginning. And then sometimes there's things for sale at the end and sometimes not. And I'm not ashamed when there are things for sale, but I do want you to know that like, this is just a pure, good, it has helped me so tremendously to articulate these particular things in this particular order, and I hope that it helps you in the same way. That said, there are three spots left for working with me in any capacity, whether group or individual, um, and two of those are dominatrixing, which is one-on-one -on -one business coaching that is done virtually. So it can be done with you anywhere in the world, so long as you have internet access. You can find all of the details of that at kristenkelp.com slash dominatrix, or just go to kristenkelp.com and in the menu coaching, you'll find it under there. The other one that's left is Steer Your Ship, which has a spot, and that is six months of working with me starting this October until next April. 
and we uh, we have a three day retreat in Santa Monica, California. We have a one day retreat in Asbury Park, and we work together both as a small group. There are six people, and as uh, individuals in between. This is my most favorite, most amazing work. It is what I'm meant to do in the world. It is my honor to do this for people every year. And so if some part of you is like, yeah, but I don't know, but like, I promise, um, no one has ever left the program saying anything, but oh my God. And, um, it really is everything that I want the world to be, especially the world of business. So that is at kristenkelpcom slash S Y S. And if you're like, yeah, totally can't come to the States for any reason, that is kristenkelpcom slash dominatrix. And those are the only ways that you can work with me for a while. So let's, uh, you know, let's get on that if you'd like to. I am at k at kristenkelpcom If you have any feedback about this, I love to hear it. And, um, and let's do this thing. Let's talk about what therefore we should do. Let's talk about these experiences and let's find a way to get ourselves through the current political climate. And if you're like, I'm not in the States, I don't have a current political climate, I promise that this still applies to you. This, this particular podcast applies to every situation in which you are vaguely bothered by people um, who are outraged or angry or spewing vitriol or otherwise trying to get people on their side, but you're like, the last thing I want to do is be on your side, even though your side is the side of X that I should be all for. There's something that's not right here. Being able to articulate that is really, really profound, really, really helpful, and helps you be really discerning about the not only the causes that you align with, but the people who are aligned with you in the same way within that cause. Because there is a big difference between coming at something with nothing but rage and coming at something with the opposite of rage and a firm sense of, of, of justice without having to spew vitriol. It's really fucking important. So enjoy, listen in, kayakirstenkelp.com should you have any feedback. And uh, I'm going to go and get trained in breath work, which I'll tell you all about next week. But this week, listen, enjoy. I love you. Thank you for listening. Bye. Hello and welcome to this Order of the Phoenix episode of That's What She Said. This one is called What Therefore Should We Do? So I joined a new group of females on Facebook and lasted nearly a week before I had to quit. And I am telling you this story in sort of confidence, meaning that this is not one of those things for the massy masses and to be available for thousands of downloads. So um, it's one of those people like, have you ever read an article by someone and you're like, oh my God, this person is a genius. And then they're like, oh, they have a Facebook group. So you join it and then... <laughs> And then um, it just goes downhill from there. But I want to give really specific examples and really be careful to articulate what exactly was bothering me and what exactly this has to do with social justice and with bringing the world that we want to see to fruition and with making changes in the world um, as humans, as book lovers, as introverts, as fairly quiet people. Um, and then how all of that relates to much larger themes in the world, and then back in our own lives. So, yeah, all that. Okay, so first, I'm going to give you some examples of things that happened in the group that at the time made me lose my shit, and I couldn't figure out why. So it took weeks to get to the bottom of these things. Okay, example number one, a woman said that a man was sexist because he was making his payments late. 
that was the reason given. Like, he's making his payments late. He is clearly sexist. Uh, okay, we're not even going to touch that part, okay? The top three comments were, what a prick, what a dick, and what an asshole. First, that's an awful lot of anger without any further questioning or detail. Like, I don't necessarily believe you that he's sexist just because he's making payments late, because I've had people make payments late, and it has nothing to do, it's not, it's not a, that's not a direct causation. Okay, second, those are all comments. Prick, dick, and asshole are all anatomy comments regarding males. So if the top three comments on a man's complaint about a woman were what a pussy, what a see you next Tuesday, and what a bitch, these women would have been the first to line up and scream in his face about what a terrible man he was and how he does not use women's body parts as insults ever and how wrong he was and blah, 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 blah. Which is not to say that the blah, blah, blah is wrong, which is to say double standard hypocritical. Name calling does no one any good ever, not in kindergarten and not in the first grade or the second grade and definitely not now. Example number two, okay, because that one you're like, okay, whatever, it's no big deal. Okay, example number two, a woman was asking about better ways to engage in civil conversations with those who disagree with her, and she was looking for support in being a more open, engaged, and understanding individual in these conversations across lines of gender and race and economics and sexuality and all of the... The whole spectrum, all of it, just people that just vi violently and vehemently disagree. How do you have meaningful conversations that actually change minds? Another woman kept popping in to say, quote, the time for conversations has passed, end quote, and then to yell about an unrelated, extremely charged topic she found important. I'm not sure how a single woman with no access to the political levers of power is supposed to deliver on this angry woman's demands, full stop, via Facebook, but it derailed the conversation completely. It was like if you're talking about running and training for marathons and somebody just keeps coming into the door screaming cucumbers, cucumbers, loudly and angrily, and then running away again, and then just like, cucumbers! Like, just, what the fuck is going on? Like, maybe... They're a cucumber farmer and they're down on their luck, but you can't hear them over there like, what the fuck are you doing, right? Okay, and then that same ranty person also accused someone who had tagged her in the comments of the conversation um, as having committed a microaggression, because if you tag someone in the comments, it's a microaggression. I can't. I laughed really loud at that. I can't even. I can't. Screaming and ranting about an unrelated topic in the middle of a civil conversation that was actually blossoming quite beautifully, and then accusing someone of committing a microaggression against you while you're currently doing far worse. Like, you are screaming in someone's face, they tagged you in comments in a conversation you were participating in? Um, that's, ab that's abhorrent behavior. Regardless of your color, class, gender, religion, blah, blah, all the things, all the reasons, it does not matter. That's abhorrent behavior. Example number three, a woman said she was genuinely torn about starting a business because it would support capitalist society and capitalism is, quote, problematic, capital A, capital F, problematic as fuck. She had genuine concerns about earning any compensation at all and had therefore been, and I quote, thinking of, end quote, starting a business for years, years completely and utterly refusing to participate in a system you label problematic without taking part in a larger movement to counteract that system allows the cycle to perpetuate itself without resistance. 
So I spent the better part of that week, like a whole week, Bear was really annoyed with me, um, observing with my mouth hanging open, like, what the fuck is going on here? What is getting under my skin about this group? What is the thing behind the thing that's making me judgy and weird and keeping me up at night? And it really did keep me up at night, I'm embarrassed to say. And there are two things. One, and this is helpful to articulate the thing behind the thing about something that might really bother you or some action that might be like, uh, why is this getting to me? Um, one, there is no non-reactive presence here. I was at a conference called Sister Giant, and I totally didn't write down who said this, but some brilliant person there said, the revolution can't be violent because violence is one of the things we're revolting against. Yes, thank you. The revolution can't be violent because violence is one of the things we're revolting against. Name-calling and angry ranting are forms of violence. Swerving healthy and productive conversations off-topic to advance your own agenda, however enlightened, is also a form of violence. Screaming in all caps at strangers on the internet while pretending to be fucking enlightened is, you guessed it, a form of violence. Non-reactive presence means that you don't automatically mirror the energy of another person, nor do you let anyone leech your energy. Non-reactive presence means you feel, yes, but you don't let your feelings tip over into violence. Just like you expect your therapist to keep his or her shit together instead of flipping coffee tables when you talk about being angry, those who are going about changing the world and having these particularly gritty, difficult conversations have got to keep our shit together in order to make change for the long haul. So can you be angry? Absolutely. Do you get to scream at strangers all day because you're so angry? Probably not, because that anger, when you just unleash it on people, is keeping the violence in circulation. And the revolution can't be violent because violence is one of the things we're revolting against. Okay, so that's one of the things. Just lots of, lots of all caps, just off the rails level anger. And not productive, focused, burning heat, get shit done angry, just vomitous, gross vitriol. Okay, further, and this is number two, and probably more important, no one is taking action. So calling the system entirely broken and then refusing to participate in it, even to reform it or to change its flaws from the inside, absolves you of, of taking action. So if I just say the government is broken, full stop, period, there's nothing I can do, I'm suddenly, I've absolved myself from taking action, and that's that. And then my hobby just becomes critiquing the government instead of in some way taking part. Painting the other side as a bunch of assholes, or dicks, or whatever, incites name-calling, but it requires no further action. Ranting about a single cause to anyone who will listen, regardless of whether you're off-topic or not, or whether, you're, whether you've been invited into the conversation, looks like action, but is really just a lightning-fast energy burn that tries the patience of everyone around you. Which brings me to college. The most hated book in the entirety of my college experience was titled Asking the Right Questions. It was part of the core curriculum for all four years of my classes, and there was a collective, oh, like just, oh, God, not again, when it was mentioned. All I remember of it now, and please don't go look it up or read it because I'm going to give you the best part, is that no matter what, the final question to ask of any idea, project, experience, or encounter is what, therefore, should we do? With more than a decade of distance from its pages, I can see that it's actually a helpful question. The penultimate question. A fucking fantastic question. So, 
this smoothie sucks, or those who subscribe to the patriarchal mindset aren't interested in closing the wage gap, or yoga is starting in 10 minutes, or our healthcare system is broken. What, therefore, should we do? The question works for issues big and small, and it always sparks action. We add some honey and make the smoothie sweeter. We ask males to donate 23% of their wages to women's rights groups, and when they say, that's absurd, we say that the gender wage gap of the same size is also absurd. We hop in the car and get to class. We get informed and call our representatives with specific requests. Without asking what we should do, we often keep the desperate, spinning type of fear and outrage and vitriol in circulation. You've seen it all over the place. Your coworker is upset about something. Just quote unquote venting. Your mom is freaking out. Your colleague is losing her mind. That guy is all the pissed and sharing 14 ranty articles a day. There's a place for anger and outrage in society and even in social media, but those energies often push people away, causing allies to run screaming or to click away and ideological opponents to further entrench in their firmly held beliefs. In other words, Sharing ranty articles often galvanizes people closer to you, but it also keeps people way the fuck away. Like, because ranting equals not the energy people commune with in any fashion. People don't change their beliefs when they feel unsafe. Period. When you see someone in the middle of the street screaming about the apocalypse and how it's on its way because the aliens, man, the aliens, you don't feel like that person is stable. Since instability is inherently unsafe, your beliefs don't change, even though you might believe in those aliens that are coming right now. You're too freaked out for your personal safety to fully hear what the person is saying. Screaming at someone never, ever makes them feel safer. When we don't feel safe, we put up our walls and preserve ourselves like little armadillos. Impenetrable, practically bulletproof armadillos. Anger can be a powerful tool for rallying troops and galvanizing causes of all kinds, but it has absolutely no power to move someone who is at the opposite end of your belief spectrum toward you. If, however, you can create or enter into a space in which you both feel as if you're capable of being heard, the entrenching instincts loosen up and change could actually happen. Maybe you give a little, maybe the other person concedes a few points, maybe you walk away knowing you have a great deal in common, even if you don't agree about a whole lot of things. But stepping into an already existing topical conversation and leading with interrupting vitriol is a losing tactic every time. Side note, Krista Tippett's Civil Conversations Project is worth checking out if you want to explore calm and often uncomfortable conversations in depth. Because discomfort is not something to avoid, but the the pure vitriol that just causes your walls to go up without you even thinking about it, that's not, that's not a really good place to engage. At least it isn't for me. So that's Krista Tippett, K-R-I-S-T-A-T-I-P-P-E-T-T. -T -T. Um, just Google On Being, go to that website, and Civil Conversations is one of the side projects. With all that said, what therefore should we do? Ask yourself if the articles you're sharing, the sentiments you're relating, or the stories you're telling help people to take action of any kind. Action builds relationships. Action fights hopelessness. Action says, hey, we might not be able to do much, but we can do this, instead of sinking into, defear, into fear or despair or pessimism. It's easy to point out the ways something is broken or imperfect. 
it takes very little effort to point out the ways someone or something is doing it wrong. It's simple to say that you reject a system wholesale and that you won't compromise your beliefs even 1%, thereby absolving you of any participation whatsoever. But what, therefore, should we do? Because on the other side of tearing a house down, you're going to have to build a new one. Ripping a house down to the studs is quick work and fun, and my God, you feel so good at the end of the day. I spent years doing Habitat for Humanity, and it is so much more fun to take a sledgehammer to things than it is to build them up. But at the end of the work week, you've gone from having a functioning house with electricity and plumbing and walls and ceilings to a bunch of boards and dust. Without careful planning and a shit ton of action, you can reduce a flawed but functional system to a broken mess in no time at all. Criticizing everything and everyone is easy. What's hard is finding a new way of being in society. It's far more difficult to model a new way of living within the fabric of the current culture and then to share that model with anyone who is willing to take note. Kindly without spewing vitriol, with understanding for the pain every single human on earth experiences just for being alive. So the next time someone rightly points out that the system is broken, or the system is marginalizing people, or that politicians are doing their nefarious deeds, or that we're all going to die of X sooner rather than later, listen, and then ask, what therefore should we do? It's not always obvious or easy, but it does generate hope and a way forward every single time you can answer it. Because if you don't answer it, you might just sink into despair or hopelessness, and you might shut down, and you might feel powerless, and you might decide there's nothing you can do, and you might decide your voice doesn't matter, and that might not be good for anyone. So, here are universal actions to take when it feels like there aren't any actions available. We curate what we read, listen to, and consume. We cast the net of voices we listen to in ever wider and more diverse directions. We monitor our input and output closely. Input being all those things that we read and consume and take in, and all the ways that we nourish ourselves and that we take care of ourselves. Output being all the things that we give or activate or do or create or maintain. So. Input being nourishment, output being um, not just creative output, but all the obligations and responsibilities we handle at any given time. Monitor those closely, because if input far exceeds output, you're good to go. If output far exceeds input you're, input, you're going to run yourself into the ground. And again, that's not going to lead to a place of health for the long term. We make note of and then share those voices capable of suggesting changes or improvements without resorting to name-calling and any other outlawed in kindergarten type behaviors. So I don't want to call those people wrong or bad. I don't want to do that, though. I don't want to be a, a name-caller. It's just not... Like, I'm happy to say fuck and shit and damn and whatever, but I'm not happy to call people, like, idiots or morons or like just far and far, 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 far more aggressive language as well. If you can articulate the thing that's really bothering you, it's often far more helpful than just being like idiot and moving on. Do you know what I mean? We breathe deeply and often. We keep breathing when it would be easier to lash out because it is often so much easier to lash out. We find simple actions to take, even if those actions feel tiny and insignificant in the face of a seemingly insurmountable problem. We keep asking good questions. 
We keep reaching for a better way of doing life, right here, right now. We take fear and anger out of circulation over and over and over again, even when we're so fucking angry that we want to punch someone or punch a wall or punch a politician or all three. For more about taking anger out of circulation, because I know I'm saying that and I'm acting like you know what that is. If you don't, um, there's a podcast with Rob Bell called The Lie of Redemptive Violence. It's fairly recent. Um, And it's basically this. When someone punches you and you punch them back, literally or energetically, doesn't matter, you are keeping the violence in circulation. Watch any superhero movie, violence, 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 punching, 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 and that escalates to like bombs, 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 lasers, 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 nuclear, 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 blah, right? It is far, far more difficult to take a punch and then refuse to punch back. That is taking the violence out of circulation. We've been punching and then punching back as humans for <laughs> since the beginning of time, but every now and again, someone comes along, a Gandhi or a Dr. King figure, to point out the hope that there's a different third way to do this living thing. Finally, we don't become agents of contempt or spite even when we have every reason to do so. We take hope into our hands and let it warm us in the coldest, darkest nights because we're capable of doing things differently. All of us, each one of us, we're building a world together. No one of us can do this alone. Not the most powerful person on earth, not the weakest person on earth, no one in between. We've got to do this together. We don't let the hate, fear, rage, and contempt swirling around us take over or change the core of who we are. And at the end of the day, we are people who take action. As Roger Wolfson said, what is the answer? I am not in a big, braggy way, not in that narcissistic, Trumpy way where everything is going to be just perfect, but in that way where when you're looking for a solution and you can't quite find it, sometimes the answer is you. Sometimes the answer is exactly the skills you have to offer and exactly the things you have to say and exactly the ways that you're going to say it. So the next time you come up against a story that makes you weep, an issue that makes you cry, a situation that makes you beyond, beyond angry, What, therefore, should we do? It's a helpful framework. And if you're like, why are these people bothering me so much? Are they keeping violence and fear and rage and vitriol or all of of those in circulation? Are they taking action and encouraging action? And are they doing it in a way that doesn't keep any sort of name-calling or super-triggering behaviors in the loop? Right? Because if you say that we're all in this together and then you, you vitriol on me because of some belief that you have, then we're not all in this together because you have just spewed your vitriol all over me. So what, therefore, should we do? Thank you so, so, so much for listening. Um, I hope this has sparked thoughts and ideas, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this, and questions and stories and... um, and resources and um, all those things. Talk to me about about this in our first Order of the Phoenix meeting, um, and the details are on the Magical Patreon. And I will see you there. What therefore should we doers? Talk to you soon. Bye. Ba-na-ba-na. 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 Ba-na-ba-na.
phenomena. Phenomena. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly, scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format. One gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. 